0: section five of the governess or the little female academy by sarah fielding this librivox recording is in the public domain monday the first day after their repentance and consequently the first day of the happiness of miss jenny peace and her companions early in the morning as soon as miss jenny arose all her companions flocked round her for they now looked on her as the best friend they had in the world and they agreed when they came out of school to adjourn into their arbour and divert themselves till dinner-time which they accordingly did when miss jenny proposed if it was agreeable to them to hear it to read them a story which she had put in her pocket for that purpose and as they now began to look upon her as the most proper person to direct them in their amusements they all replied what was most agreeable to her would please them best she then began to read the following story with which we shall open their first day's amusement the story of the cruel giant barbarico the good giant benefico and the little pretty dwarf Mignon. a great many hundred years ago the mountains of wales were inhabited by two giants one of whom was the terror of all his neighbours and the plague of the whole country he greatly exceeded the size of any giant recorded in history and his eyes looked so fierce and terrible that they frightened all who were so unhappy as to behold them the name of this enormous wretch was barbarico a name which filled all who heard it with fear and astonishment the whole delight of this monster's life was in acts of inhumanity and mischief and he was the most miserable as well as the most wicked creature that ever yet was born he had no sooner committed one outrage but he was in agonies till he could commit another never satisfied unless he could find an opportunity of either torturing or devouring some innocent creature and whenever he happened to be disappointed in any of his malicious purposes he would stretch his immense bulk on the top of some high mountain and groan and beat the earth and bellow with such a hollow voice that the whole country heard and trembled at the sound the other giant whose name was benefico was not so tall and bulky as the hideous barbarico he was handsome well proportioned and of a very good-natured turn of mind his delight was no less in acts of goodness and benevolence than the others was in cruelty and mischief his constant care was to endeavour if possible to repair the injuries committed by this horrid tyrant which he had sometimes an opportunity of doing for though barbarico was much larger and stronger than benefico yet his coward mind was afraid to engage with him and always shunned a meeting leaving the pursuit of any prey if he himself was pursued by benefico nor could the good benefico trust farther to this coward spirit of his base adversary than only to make the horrid creature fly for he well knew that a close engagement might make him desperate And fatal to himself might be the consequence of such brutal desperation. Therefore, he prudently declined any attempt to destroy this cruel monster till he should gain some sure advantage over him. It happened on a certain day that as the inhuman Barbarico was prowling along the side of a craggy mountain overgrown with brambles and briery thickets, taking most horrid strides, rolling his ghastly eyes around in quest of human blood, and having his breast tortured with an inward rage and grief that he had been so unhappy as to live one whole day without some act of violence he beheld in a pleasant valley at a distance a little rivulet winding its gentle course through rows of willows mixed with flowery shrubs hither the giant hasted and being arrived he gazed about to see if in this sweet retirement any were so unhappy as to fall within his power but finding none the disappointment set him in a flame of rage which burning like an inward furnace parched his throat and now he laid him down on the bank to try if in the cool stream that murmured as it flowed he could assuage or slack the fiery thirst that burnt within him he bent him down to drink and at the same time casting his baleful eyes towards the opposite side he discovered within a little natural arbor formed by the branches of a spreading tree within the meadow's flowery lawn the shepherd fidus and his loved amata the gloomy tyrant no sooner perceived this happy pair than his heart exulted with joy and suddenly leaping up on the ground he forgot his thirst and left the stream untasted he stood for a short space to view them in their sweet retirement and was soon convinced that in the innocent enjoyment of reciprocal affection their happiness was complete his eyes inflamed with envy to behold such bliss darted a fearful glare and his breast swelling with malice and envenomed rage he with gigantic pace approached their peaceful seat the happy fidus was at that time busy in entertaining his loved amata with a song which he had that very morning composed in praise of constancy and the giant was now within one stride of them when amata perceiving him cried out in a trembling voice fly fidus fly or we are lost for ever we are pursued by the hateful barbarico she had scarce uttered these words when the savage tyrant seized them by the waist in either hand and holding up to his nearer view thus said speak miscreants and if you would avoid immediate death tell me who you are and whence arises that tranquillity of mind which even at a distance was visible in your behaviour poor fidus with looks that would have melted the hardest heart innocently replied that they were wandering that way without designing offence to any creature on earth that they were faithful lovers and with the consent of all their friends and relations were soon to be married therefore he entreated him not to part them the giant now no sooner perceived from the last words of the affrighted youth what was most likely to give them the greatest torment than with a spiteful grin which made his horrible face yet more horrible and in a hollow voice, as loud as thunder, he tauntingly cried out, ho! Oh, you'd not be parted, would you? For once I'll gratify thy will, and thou shalt follow this thy whimpering fondling down my capacious maw.' So saying, he turned his ghastly visage on the trembling Amata, who, being now no longer able to support herself under his cruel threats, fainted away, and remained in his hand, but as a lifeless corpse when lifting up his eyes towards the hill on the opposite side he beheld benefico coming hastily towards him this good giant having been that morning informed that barbarico was roaming in the mountains after prey left his peaceful castle in hopes of giving protection to whatever unfortunate creature should fall into the clutches of this so cruel a monster barbarico at the sight of the friendly benefico started with fear for although in bulk and stature he was as we have said the superior yet that cowardice which ever accompanies wickedness now wrought in him such a manner that he could not bear to confront him well knowing the courage and fortitude that always attend the good and virtuous and therefore instantly putting fidus into the wallet that hung over his shoulder he flung the fainting amata whom he took to be quite expired into the stream that ran hard by and fled to his cave not daring once to cast his eyes behind him the good benefico perceiving the monster's flight and not doubting but he had been perpetrating some horrid mischief immediately hastened to the brook where he found the half-expiring amata floating down the stream for her clothes had yet borne her up on the surface of the water he speedily stepped in and drew her out and taking her in his arms pressed her to his warm bosom and in a short space perceiving in her face the visible marks of returning life his heart swelled with kind compassion and he thus bespoke the tender maid unhappy damsel lift up thy gentle eyes and tell me by what hard fate thou hast fallen into the power of that barbarous monster whose savage nature delights in nothing but ruin and desolation tremble not thus but without fear or terror behold one who joys in the thought of having saved thee from destruction and will bring thee every comfort his utmost power can procure the gentle amata was now just enough recovered to open her eyes but finding herself in a giant's arms and still retaining in her mind the frightful image of the horrid barbarico she fetched a deep sigh crying out in broken accents fly fidus fly and again sunk down upon the friendly giant's breast on hearing these words and plainly seeing by the anguish of her mind that some settled grief was deeply rooted at her heart and therefore despairing to bring her to herself immediately the kind benefico hastened with her to his hospitable castle where every imaginable assistance was administered to her relief in order to recover her lost sense and to reconcile her to her wretched fate the cruel barbarico was no sooner arrived at his gloomy cave than he called to him his little page who trembling to hear the tyrant now again returned quickly drew near to attend his stern commands when drawing out of the wallet the poor fidus more dead than alive the monster cried out here caitiff take in charge this smooth-faced miscreant and do you hear me see that his allowance be no more than one small ounce of mouldy bread and half a pint of standing water for each day's support till his now blooming skin be withered his flesh be wasted from his bones and he dwindle to a meagre skeleton so saying he left them as he hoped to bewail each other's sad condition but the unhappy fidus bereft of his amata was not to be appalled by any of the most horrid threats for now his only comfort was the hopes of a speedy end to his miserable life and to find a refuge from his misfortunes in the peaceful grave with this reflection the faithful fidus was endeavouring to calm the inward troubles of his mind when the little page with looks of the most tender compassion and in gentle words bid him be comforted and with patience endure his present affliction adding that he himself had long suffered the most rigorous fate yet despaired not but that one day would give them an opportunity to free themselves from the wicked wretch whose sole delight was in others torment as to his inhuman commands continued he i will sooner die than obey them and in a mutual friendship perhaps we may find some consolation even in this dismal cave this little page the cruel barbarico had stolen from his parents at five years old ever since which time he had tortured and abused him till he had now attained the age of one-and-twenty his mother had given him the name of mignon by which name the monster always called him as it gratified his insolence to make use of that fond appellation whilst he was abusing him only when he said mignon he would in derision add the word dwarf for to say the truth mignon was one of the least men that was ever seen though at the same time one of the prettiest his limbs though small were exactly proportioned his countenance was at once sprightly and soft and whatever his head thought or his heart felt his eyes by their looks expressed and his temper was as sweet as his person was amiable such was the gentle creature barbarico chose to torment for wicked giants no less than wicked men and women are constantly tormented at the appearance of those perfections in another to which they themselves have no pretensions the friendship and affection of fidus and mignon now every day increased and the longer they were acquainted the mere delight they took in each other's company the faithful fidus related to his companion the story of his loved amata whilst the tender mignon consoled his friend's inward sorrows and supplied him with necessaries notwithstanding the venture he ran of the cruel tyrant's heavy displeasure the giant ceased not every day to view the hapless fidus to see if the cruelty of his intentions had in any degree wrought its desired effect but perceiving in him no alteration he now began to be suspicious that the little mignon had not punctually obeyed his savage command in order therefore to satisfy his wicked curiosity he resolved within himself narrowly to watch every occasion these poor unhappy captives had of conversing with each other mignon well knowing the implacable and revengeful disposition of this barbarous tyrant had taken all the precautions imaginable to avoid discovery and therefore generally sought every opportunity of being alone with fidus and carrying him his daily provisions at those hours he knew the giant was most likely to be asleep it so befell that on a certain day the wicked giant had as was his usual custom been abroad for many hours in search of some unhappy creature on whom to glut his hateful inhumanity when tired with fruitless roaming he returned to his gloomy cave beguiled of all his horrid purposes for he had not once that day espied so much as the track of man or other harmless animal to give him hopes even to gratify his rage or cruelty but now raving with inward torment and despair he laid him down upon his iron couch to try if he could close his eyes and quiet the tumultuous passions of his breast he tossed and tumbled and could get no rest starting with fearful dreams and horrid visions of tormenting furies meanwhile the gentle mignon had prepared a little delicate repast and having seen the monster lay himself at length and thinking now that a fit occasion offered in which to comfort and refresh his long-expecting friend was hastening with it to the cell where the faithful fidus was confined at the fatal moment the giant rearing himself up on his couch perceived the little mignon just at the entrance of the cell when calling to him in a hollow voice that dismally resounded through the cave he so startled the poor unhappy page that he dropped the cover from his trembling hand and stood fixed and motionless as a statue come hither mignon caitiff dwarf said then the taunting homicide but the poor little creature was so thunderstruck he was quite unable to stir one foot whereat the giant rousing himself from off his couch with one huge stride reached out his brawny arm and seized him by the waist and pointing to the scattered delicates cried out vile miscreant is it thus thou hast obeyed my orders is this the mouldy bread and muddy water with which alone it was my command thou shouldst sustain that puny mortal but i'll here raising him aloft he was about to dash him to the ground when suddenly revolving in his wicked thoughts that if at once he should destroy his patient slave his cruelty to him must also have an end he paused and then recovering he stretched out his arm and bringing the little trembler near his glaring eyes he thus subjoins no i'll not destroy thy wretched life but thou shalt waste thy weary days in a dark dungeon as far remote from the least dawn of light as from thy loved companion and i myself will carefully supply you both so equally with mouldy bread and water that each by his own sufferings shall daily know what his dear friend endures so saying he hastened with him to his deepest dungeon and having thrust him in He doubly barred the iron door, and now again retiring to his couch, this new-wrought mischief, which greatly gratified his raging mind, soon sunk him down into a sound and heavy sleep. The reason this horrid monster had not long ago devoured his little captive, for he thought him a delicious morsel, was that he might never want an object at hand to gratify his cruelty for though extremely great was his voracious hunger yet greater still was his desire of tormenting and oftentimes when he had teased beat and tortured the poor gentle mignon so as to force from him tears and sometimes a soft complaint he would with a malicious sneer scornfully reproach him in the following words little does it avail to whine to blubber or complain for remember abject wretch i am a giant and i can eat thee thou art a dwarf and thou canst not eat me when mignon was thus alone he threw himself on the cold ground bemoaning his unhappy fate however he soon recollected that patience and resignation were his only succour in this distressful condition not doubting but that as goodness cannot always suffer he should in time meet with some unforeseen deliverance from the savage power of the inhuman barbarico whilst the gentle mignon was endeavouring to comfort himself in his dungeon with these good reflections he suddenly perceived at a little distance from him a small glimmering light immediately he rose from the ground and going towards it found that it shone through a little door that had been left ajar which led him to a spacious hall wherein the giant hoarded his immense treasures mignon was at first dazzled with the lustre of so much gold and silver and sparkling jewels as were there heaped together but casting his eyes on a statue that was placed in the middle of the room he read on the pedestal written in very small letters the following verses would thou from the rage be free of the tyrant's tyranny lose the fillet which is bound twice three times my brows around bolts and bars shall open fly by a magic sympathy take him in his sleeping hour bind his neck and break his power patience bids make no delay haste to bind him haste away Mignon's little heart now leapt for joy that he had found the means of such a speedy deliverance, and eagerly climbing up the statue, he quickly unbound the magic fillet, which was no sooner done, but suddenly the bolts and bars of the brazen gate, through which the giant used to pass to this his treasury, were all unloosed, and the folding doors of their own accord flew open, grating harsh thunder on their massy hinges. At the same instant, stretched on his iron couch in the room adjoining to the hall, the giant gave a deadly groan. Here again the little Mignon's trembling heart began to fail, for he feared the monster was awakened by the noise, and that he should now suffer the cruellest torments his wicked malice could invent. Wherefore, for a short space he remained clinging round the statue, till he perceived that all again was hushed and silent when getting down he gently stole into the giant's chamber where he found him still in a profound sleep but here to the great mortification of miss jenny's attentive hearers the hour of entertaining themselves being at an end they were obliged to leave the poor little mignon in the greatest distress and fright lest the giant should awake before he could fulfil the commands of the oracle and to wait for the remainder of the story till another opportunity in the evening as soon as school was over the little company again met in their arbour and nothing could be greater than their impatience to hear the event of mignon's hazardous undertaking miss dolly friendly said that if the poor little creature was destroyed she should not sleep that night but they all joined in entreating miss jenny to proceed which she did in the following manner End of section 5